Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on SoundCloud. Get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, you can find it listed there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. I'm a little partial to Apple. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow me on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episodes. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. Philly Sketch Fest begins this week. Wednesday night at the Sketch Comedy Film Festival at the PFS Roxy Theater. Then four nights of live sketch comedy with over 40 troops from all over North America. The podcast mixer featuring my first sketch and sketch nerds from Bad Medicine on Saturday afternoon. So much great comedy. So many laughs to be had. Go to the Philly Sketch Fest Facebook for more information. And myfirstsketch.com slash tickets will take you straight to the tickets page. Today's guest is Jim Titalius, currently a member of Brick Penguin and representing Dojo Comedy in Washington, D.C. Brick Penguin is coming to Philly Sketch Fest for, I believe, the fifth time and performing Friday night in the 10 p.m. block, along with Clip Show from New York City and The Wow from Toronto. Jim's first sketch is called Salvation Army. Jim reads the role of the Salvation Army bell ringer, and eventually his superior, I read the role of a passerby and a mugger. So let's go to the sketch. Exterior shopping mall day. Ding, 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 ding. Share the spirit of the season. Look into your hearts in this most joyous of holidays. A few cents can be a world of difference. Yeah. A man passing by puts a few cents into the can. Ching, ching, ching. Thank you, sir. A few cents and you get a real difference. It's almost as if you yourself are giving birth to Jesus Christ. Another passerby drops a coin in. Ching, ching. Very generous of you, sir. Iced himself, our Lord and Savior, born of the Virgin, incarnate of the Spirit, hope of the hopeless, trendsetter for crucifixion. Another couple passes by. A second later, the man returns, grinning, puts a dollar bill in the can. Ooh, big spender. Give a little, get a little, my... The man turns towards him. What was that? Uh, excuse me, sir? I'm sorry, but if there's a problem, I'd like to hear it. Not a hint of one, sir. Mangy prick with your shallow pockets. And merriment for all ages, classes, and ethnic variations. The Lord, host of... Alright, buddy, if you're gonna say things about me, then say them in my face at least. The wonder of children is unmatched by even pallid tribe, but I'd have to look you in that wreck you've got for a face first, you bloated moron. The hell I do to you, Jingles? Wow, a dollar. We're all very impressed. You mean you can afford to give a whole dollar to charity? Lord, please allow thy thy countenance to shine upon he, the jerk of the single dollar donation. For his love and generosity flow forth as of myrrh from thy immaculate body. Hey, at least I gave something. Most people just pass by and ignore you until they're safe distance away. Yeah, but at least they don't strut by like Mr. Philanthropist here to save the day through penny-pinching donations so they can take little Miss Soon-to-be-impressed here out for another meal at a restaurant guaranteed to house a mechanical bull of some sort and score with her sometime later. Probably on the mechanical bull. Hey, leave her out of this, man. Do you see me coming in and interrupting your free time with unprompted insults? No, but to be honest, we've only just met a few minutes ago. You haven't exactly had the opportunity. Why am I putting up this? Okay, let's get going, Amber. (laughs) 
Amber, what is she, a stripper? Hang on to this one, Chuck. She's a keeper. Okay, jerk. What are you looking to do? Start a fight? Oh, with you? No, sorry. But I'm going to have to pass on that one. You know, I just get the feeling you're the kind of guy who'd throw in a punch or two, but not actually donate anything worthwhile to the fight. You know what I mean? Because honestly, I think I'm entitled to more than a buck's worth of fighting. Plus, I hate to let kids down when I fight. So when I actually decide to fight a person, I usually make sure to choose someone the kids might enjoy seeing, like Ronald McDonald or a guy driving an ice cream truck or a puppy. Fine, that's it. Goodbye, smartass. I hope you catch fire on your way home and die. And then find out that God's a Hindu. Or many Hindus, I guess. He walks away. Salvation Army Man follows him, ringing the bell in his ear. Okay. He he throws the bell on the floor. Will you want to play rough? Yeah, I want to play rough. He pulls a handgun out from his jacket pocket. The girlfriend screams. What the hell? Just make with the change and be cool, sir. What, are you mugging me? Let's not make this more difficult than it needs to be, sir. What the hell is this? You're not with the Salvation Army after, after all. You're not with the Salvation Army at all. Well, it is an army after all. I don't believe this. He grabs some coins from his pocket. Here you go, happy? That's all I got. Somehow, I doubt that's... A random passerby, Mugger, approaches, pulls out a gun, and points it at Salvation Army guy. Okay, give me a little money in your can there, pal. What? I'm already mugging him! What do you mean? You're one of them suits who collects money. What are you doing, mugging? That's what I was just saying. Shut up! Hey, lay off. It's complicated. Okay, fine. Just hand over the change and make it quick. Why? I have a gun too, can't you see? Mine's better. Now fork it over. Better? Better how? It just is, okay? Now, unless there are any objections, I'm going to go ahead and take this money. Like I was saying, I'd rather you didn't. Well, too bad. He grabs the can. You're a jerk, you know that? Now you know how it feels at least. Hey, can I leave now? I'm getting a little tired of this and my girlfriend doesn't really feel like sticking around, right? He turns to her. She nods. Sure, go ahead. Oh, hold on a second. You wouldn't happen to have any cash on you by any chance? Nah, it's already in there, I'm afraid. Okay, fair enough. Take it easy, guys. He waves. Hold on. How do you get to tell him he can leave? I was sticking him up. Yeah, and you got his money, right? Yep. So what's the problem? Well, just because I got the money doesn't mean I'm done really, does it? What else are you planning to do? Exchanging insurance or something? Hey, mugger's discretion. Actually, for that matter, what are you still doing here? Yeah, well, I'm the dominant mugger now, so I get control who I get control over who stays and who goes. Oh, come on. How are you the dominant mugger? I got here last. I thought you said it was because you had a better gun. Well, for both of those reasons, really, the better gun and the late arrival. But just because you randomly got here later doesn't change anything. I'm still not sure about the whole gun thing. Another man in the Salvation Army uniform arrives. Okay, Salvation Army donation pickup. How's it coming, Horace? Well, actually, this guy here is about to take off with all of today's donations. Well, remember what we talked about, after all. Was he the dominant mugger? Well, that's what he claims, but I'm not completely sold. Well, in any case, uh, mind if I take that? Rightfully yours, I guess. You did just get here, after all. The mugger hands over the money. What? He didn't even threaten you. So, you seem to know a lot about mugging. Have you been in the area for a while? Nah, not really. I'm sort of what you call a fast learner, though, I guess. You see, that's what most of these kids I see these days need to learn. They do a disservice to your craft. What's happening? Nothing makes sense anymore. 
Well, thank you, good sir. I guess I'm off then. Finally, this money is going to go to the right place. Uh, directly into the hands of the less fortunate, where it will finally do some good. The original Salvation Army guy falls to his knees, clenches his fists, and cries out. No! His name was Horace? You know, that's one of those names you don't hear much anymore. Yes, I was surprised too when I first heard it. Hey, Jim. Hey, Josh. How you doing? All right. Uh, so tell me about the sketch. Tell me about uh, this uh, Salvation Army guy sketch. Where did it come from? Where did the idea show from? So for this sketch, uh, which was really hard for me to get through, um, you would have to... I, I wrote this when I was 19 years old uh, and a sophomore in college. So trans, you could really transport yourself into my brain uh, when I was... Uh, it's like back to 2007 or something like that. And uh, you really get a sense of like what my uh, okay. what I thought about life, I think, or what I thought about people. For example, there is uh, no speaking female parts in this uh, sketch except for um, like a girlfriend who who uh, there's a girlfriend in the sketch and she never talks and she screams one time and she just sort of is with one of the guys um, and and lots of stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I wrote this uh i had never done any uh sketch stuff before i'd never taken a sketch class before i was in college and i was like you know what i'm gonna write a sketch um and i had just found this this typewriter in my grandmother's basement that typed in like cursive script and i was like i'm gonna write a sketch and i like typed this thing up hmm. uh like longhand and uh i was clearly very in love with myself and how I like every uh, word, every character speaks in these long Larry David esque contemplations about life and social interactions. Like it's like incredibly clever. Um, and uh, so I wrote out this whole thing, which is like nine, it's like six pages long and like whatever spacing it is, but because it's in like a word document, it's like a lot longer than that, I feel like. And uh, so I, I brought this, to uh, a friend of mine in college ran not a comedy thing, but like a uh, it's this like public speaking slash acting club where you could bring something to practice your delivery for. Okay. And like, you might get better at public speaking. You might get better at acting. You might practice a monologue. And I was like, I'm going to stun these people. I'm going to write an original thing. And I'm going to bring it to my friend's club and we're going to do it together. And it's going to be, it's, this is going to be a game changer. And, uh, and we did it and, uh, everyone was like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, thanks Jim. Uh, and it, and there was a lot of like, yeah, why did, do you think that Amber sounds like a stripper name, Jim? Because I don't think that's right. And I'm like, no, I think you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> and I, uh, I literally have not touched it since the year uh, since I delivered that and uh, retreat in shame from it. And after that, I went on to like take a class and <laughs> learn about how to do stuff, maybe. But like, uh, yeah. So that's what that that's the story of that sketch. I wrote it in college, and I was nineteen. But then, why was it, um, you know, other than finding this typewriter, <clears throat> finding this typewriter? Uh, why write a sketch? Okay, so like uh, that's a that's a good question. I 
I was, um, so I was going to college, uh, for, uh, chemical engineering and I just like, basically all of my free time was like a cry for help to try to do something that was not engineering because okay. I told myself that this was a good degree to get and it turned out to be a good degree. And, and I like, it is a good degree stuff. to get. Yeah. Well, thanks. But like, anyway, in all my free time, I, what I ended up doing was like running what was basically turned out to be like uh, a humor magazine i sort of started running a magazine in college that was about all sorts of things and i sort of turned it into being mostly humor and just whenever i had free time i was like i'm gonna do comedy stuff like i wanted to run this magazine that i had i wanted to run it like a tv show like a comedy writer's room i was like this is gonna be great um and i think and i wrote like a like a, a humor newsletter before I even had the magazine and passed it around like random lecture halls on campus, like when no one was there so that they would get to their class and they would have this thing that I wrote and they would like pick up and be like, what the heck is this? Um, I had a lot, I was very desperate to try to do writing and I was sort of trying every avenue I could find to do things. So it's like, my friend has a club. I'm going to, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to insert myself, my comedy writing into this club, even though I don't know how to do it. Uh, so I think it was, I think it was desperation. I think I really wanted to, uh, do this somehow. Nice. Uh, so what were you into growing up? Like, I, I, it sounds like humor and comedy were were pretty deep seated for you. So what were you, what made you laugh as a kid, as a teenager? Um, you know, like I, I think comedy, like I, I think a lot of people, you know, it seemed like a lot of people are into comedy. I don't, I don't think it's like that weird thing to be into. Um, but I do, I will say like my dad, had really good comedy taste. Um, so he would like show us like good stuff and, you know, like we would, um, let me think of an example. Like I I know like my dad was like really into like beyond the fringe and he had these like LPs of beyond the fringe and stuff like that. And he was like, Oh, this is good stuff. And then, um, my dad would like quote beyond the, beyond the fringe. That's, um, is that the Peter cook? Yeah. Peter, uh, Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore and uh, two other guys that are uh, probably being disrespected right now. Um, But I don't know. One of them writes, wrote plays after that. But they're probably less famous than Peter Cook and Dudley Moore are. So do you think they're listening right now, Josh? Uh, I doubt it. My listening numbers in Great Brain are not that good. (laughs) Uh, Like, so, so, so yeah, the, the, the Beyond the Fringe stuff was like really like it was really cool stuff and also like my dad used to like speak in like Woody Allen stand up like he like appropriated like Woody Allen jokes as his own jokes and i don't know and at a certain point he showed us Monty Python and that was you know his big nerdy thing i mean for me it was just like sort of in the background for a while and then the thing that's really important is i started like watching the simpsons all the time and that was really like everything to me for a few years it was just like i would watch it religiously I got the DVDs. I would listen to the commentaries religiously. I would, you know, it was like nonstop, you know, because you could catch like three Simpsons episodes a night on Fox, you know, like if you wanted to. And uh, my brother and I really wanted to. Um, So you get the three Simpsons and you get the Seinfeld. And that was like, you know, your your two hours for the night. Um, Once... We had we didn't have TV for a while, but once we got TV back, like when we were teenagers, that's what we did every night. And so, yeah, I think that Simpsons thing was like really got through to me. Um, these these jokes are clearly written. There's clearly like a sort of comedy laboratory happening here on this show. Um, you know, like it it really felt like something that somebody made that was a good quality product to me. Do you have a favorite era of The Simpsons? 
I mean, I like so many of them. Like, I think, I think, like, I like the David Merkin years where he was the showrunner, which is like season five and six, which is like this okay. cool sweet spot between like the early super. It, it had like a ton of jokes and craziness, but it still like it wasn't the most heartfelt and family. You know, I don't think my favorite episodes were in there, but I think like some of the very funniest episodes were in there. Okay. Um, and they had these, the David Merkin, that showrunner, like he loved these jokes, putting in these jokes called like, like the, the screw you audience jokes where it's like, you think it's, you know, going to go a certain way based on the conventions of TV or whatever. And then, um, you know, it's like it's just like screw you for thinking that like i remember there's that episode where um bart has the girlfriend and he's like um you know he's like i just have to get 30 days through 30 days without seeing her and i'll be just fine because like she's a bad influence on him so you see his calendar right and he's like crossing out day one crossing out day two then it dissolves to him like crossing out day 30 and uh then he's like all right 30 days i have to go without seeing her Day one, and then he circles day one after crossing out all those other days. Like you thought the whole month had passed, but nothing had happened. Yeah, and I was like, I was I was a Simpsons like person too, like going through all the DVDs, and I think, uh, what was it like the Homer and Space episode? I don't listen to the commentary on that episode. Uh, Matt Grain was already like annoyed. Oh, He's yeah. like, if Homer goes to space what else is there for him to do? Like, yeah, that's fair. Like, and then every year there's some kind of like travel episode. And like, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it did get crazy. And like, I think if you were to ask me, I don't know. Do you have a favorite era? Like, what would you say? Um, I generally like, I probably would go for like the season four, like looking back and, um, at the algae and Mike Reese action going, yeah, the 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 Conan episodes are yeah. great, but then I really like um, like the years after Merkin. I think it's like what yeah. Oakley Weinstein, yeah, great. where they're the showrunners. Like, I think I think those were like hit a hard spot better for for me even it's more. It's that best too, of both so. worlds thing where it's like heartfelt but also really funny. Yeah, I mean, I can. Yeah. If you were to ask me like various months, you know, like this month I might say like I think Merkin's the best. This month I might think that like season season two is the best, but it's <laughs> it's all in that region, you know, that two through that two through nine region. If you catch me on like different months, I might even feel differently or change. My have mind. you kept up with The Simpsons? I have like, not. Do you still all. watch? I have like, not. Or where did you give up? Where did you stop? I was watching it, you know, every. So, so I started watching them and it was late when I started watching the new ones. It was already like season 13. Um, I had been catching up through the reruns and then I was watching it like every year religiously. I even like it was season 17 came and I like entered the Halloween, the trios of horror contests where you had to like make your own little trailer. And then like I won like a second tier prize and they sent me this giant framed poster of an episode that wasn't that was not particularly a good episode and now that's still in my mom's house because i haven't taken it from her um and like (laughs) so i think it started petering out around when i went to college i just started like losing patience for it i'm just like i i I was so invested in it and i kept getting let down and at a certain point i was just like i need to you know it was a little bit after probably a season or two after the movie came out i was just like i i can't keep doing this to myself and i think you know 
with college, a lot of stuff changes too. So that, you know, I don't know if I needed a reason besides all those life changes, but it was sort of hard to watch after a while. Yeah. I think, um, depending on how long it goes, cause I had this conversation with someone else on the podcast a couple months ago that I think season, like, I think there's a very real possibility that the seasons will continue even after one of the main cast members passes. Yeah. I mean, did they retire some characters when the, when the cast members died so far? Well, I mean, that's easy to do when it's Phil Hartman or Marsha Wallace, when they're only, when, you know, Phil Hartman has a couple right. characters and Marsha Wallace has Corbopel. But what happens, God forbid, when Julie uh, yeah, Kavner right. or Harry Shearer go? I don't, I don't think they're going like, to keep doing it. Are I mean, you think they are? Well, I, I made the point uh, about Kermit the Frog. Mm. Kermit the Frog has had four voices by now. Interesting. Do you think that situation is going to happen with Marge? So. Like, or or does Simpsons give up with like the first main cast past? Like, I mean, the show's been on for thirty something thirty years now. Like. It's that yeah. that first off, yeah. that's bonkers to begin with. Like, like you, okay, so I'm gonna I don't know come back to this thing probably, uh, of, which is I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about because I've, uh, I've been watching Simpsons in like ten years, like it's like I've established. But like, I it seems like they're they might be waiting for an opportunity to go out good, you know, because it seems like it's been running on fumes for a bit. Again, why am I saying it's been running on fumes for a bit? I have not watched it in ten years, <laughs> but like when. I don't know. I think they were looking for that grace yeah, flag. Um, and I quite and I don't quite know what the viewership numbers are. Like I don't know what the ratings are to like be like, oh yeah, that's not a successful show anymore. Like I don't even know that. Like I don't know. I think they are because I was always under the impression that they would end with a movie. Oh okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then the movie came out, and they just kept going for another ten years. Right. I thought they were going to make another movie. What happened to that? I. Well, the first movie took 20 years to make, so I guess we have to wait for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, It's it's so cool. Like, I don't know. But but I do think that, you know, that's what I love so much about the early Simpsons is just like that you can talk about those eras and you can talk about the writing in that way where it's like once you start paying attention, you can tell like these characters are sort of a, you know, a prism that you can pass a bunch of different comedic sensibilities through. Um, and, you know, you can really tell the difference there. And it's a really cool start to understanding how, you know, how that comedy writing stuff goes, I think. At least it was for me. Um, because it's like, we still have the same Homer, but here he's a lot dumber. Or we still have the same Homer, and here he's like, you know, he's actually, we actually wrote him smarter and more of a family man here. But it works because, you know, uh, he's he's lovable like a dog and he doesn't think things through, even though he's smarter here or something like that. Like it is really cool how you can take those characters and apply them to different situations. I know when I stopped watching, like Lisa got, they, they turned her more into a kid. And I thought that was really cool. Hmm. She was more like an eight year old. It was like she regressed or something, but it was great because it felt real a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I've only like watched maybe like one episode a season for the last few years. So I'm no okay, longer well, the expert I thought I was. Check in. I mean, a, if you like if you, when I was younger. If you see a good one, let me know because <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I want to be in touch, but I don't want to be like monitoring. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
uh i mean you mentioned beyond the fringe and that's fairly sketchy uh sketch comedy based thing too uh what's your introduction to sketch comedy so um and you mentioned Monty, Monty yeah, Python like watching too, it and so. stuff you mean yeah, yeah. Not like i probably yeah. you know probably saturday night live monty python those sorts of things um but like it wasn't the focus for me sketch you know like sketch for me always was just like how can i do this writing thing and what opportunities are there to do it and sketch was you know the available opportunity right like when you go to ucb and try to take a class do they give you a sitcom writing class do they give you a you know i'm gonna teach you how to write the simpsons class no you can learn how to take sketch comedy writing you know and so i have enjoyed sketch like growing up and there's certainly like a ton of sketch stuff that i really like but like you know like but to me it was more of like just great great stuff more in the background you know like i i enjoy a good snl like everybody else does i think i enjoy you know watching snl reruns and stuff like that um but you know it wasn't like it wasn't like a, a consuming focus for me i don't think uh but i do ask everybody so i'm always curious uh do you have a favorite saturday Night live cast member historically uh oh man like i i like uh i like um i like belushi I like uh, Phil Hartman. I like Bill Hader. Um, yeah, like those are sort of, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so great to see like the Belushi stuff because I don't know, like it, it feels like something, it feels like there's a spark of something happening most of the time, which is really fun. Okay. And, you know, those other, like when you go like Hartman and Hader and stuff, like those guys are just fun to watch all the time because they're just always doing stuff it feels like yeah i i think uh hater was in that category like the same category as hartman where he could be the straight laced person in the sketch he could be the crazy character in the sketch like he could do whatever was asked of him and and pretty much succeeded at it like i always go back there's um yeah and i think it's one of his first episodes if not the first episode uh bill hater had a sketch called uh, was in a sketch called Al Pacino checks his bank balance. Oh yeah, that was great. I love that. And one. yeah, yeah. Like legitimately, it makes me laugh, and I I watch it at least yearly because <laughs> it's just so weird and funny to me. Like, uh, such a weird impression. Yeah, that that's great. Like you know, Bill Hader getting into a character and doing an impression is such a joy. I feel like because like clearly he he like always does a good impression. But it's like this great mix of being competent at it and finding the funny angle of it, you know, whereas like I think different members like, you know, like Daryl Hammond usually just does like a very solid Daryl Hammond or Jay Farrow is always doing like a very accurate impression. Um, and Dana Carvey is always just hitting the funny end, end of it all the time, it seems like. And so Bill Hader to yeah. me is fun because he can sort of I, I get to enjoy both of those parts because he, he does a pretty good balance of those two, I think. Uh, so where do you get to, I mean, so you're working on this like, uh, humor magazine in college, where do you get to pursuing sketch comedy beyond that? Like what's the next step? Um, so yeah, so like I said, uh, in college, I'm desperately trying to do something besides engineering, even though I'm doing engineering. And, um, uh, so I'm doing this humor magazine I'm doing this magazine and I like, trying to make it humor as much as I can. And that was a really great, fun thing to do. Um, and then 
eventually I'm like, I want to do this more seriously. And so I was like looking at who has classes, you know, how can you, how can you learn how to do this professionally? How can you take yourself seriously at this? Um, and I was looking up, I was like, Oh, does second city have classes in New York? Well, no, they just stopped offering New York classes or something like that. Oh, Upright Citizens Brigade has uh, classes in New York. I think I want to do that. So I did, uh, I did a UCB class in New York over the summer between, you know, years of college, basically. Um, Were you based in New York or? No, I was in upstate New York at uh, RBI, okay. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And I lived okay. in the summer in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. So I would commute in on the weekends sort of a thing. Um, and so, yeah, so that was like the real start with sketch stuff where I was like actually, you know. And, and I showed up on my first day of taking like classes there. And my teacher uh, was great. It was Dominic Durkis from uh, Derek Comedy. Oh, nice. And uh, like all like he was like, it was really cool because all of a sudden I was like, oh, this guy's really funny. He can pitch terrific jokes for your stuff. And also it was just like I, I had the, sort of all of a sudden I had like a framework for like, oh, how's here's this guy is like really smart and really funny. And here's, you know, if you're going to be good at this, you should try to sort of be like that. And that was really, really neat. Um, and that class was cool because, you know, I, I mean, basically what I got out of it was I was not writing good sketches, but like I was. You know, you learn the basics, you learn the format, you learn how to, you know, stick to a game and all that basic stuff. Um, but it was really nice, you know, it was, it was, it's nice. Be- I, I really think that a good sketch class comes down to like just having a good teacher. It's not so much about the content. It's about can this person show you how to, you know, show you what you're doing and how to make it funnier and how they how they can lead you in a direction to make your stuff funnier. Um, it's sort of like a by example thing, I think. Yeah, the, I mean, the whole premise of this podcast is that your first sketch is never going to be, you know, a home run. Like, it is about the oh, process right. of doing this. So, like, I, I guess, like, learning that in, in a first class is definitely a positive, like. And if you see, like, from, you know, this, my first sketch, like, it, it's, like, got, it, it's one game for the and then it flips to a whole different game of people mugging each other for the, the last three pages and it like can't stick to a thing and you know like it, there's no sense of like being concise there's no none of that stuff and so just like having <laughs> these basic ideas game stick to the game your game should be funny it shouldn't just be like a premise you know like it, it shouldn't just be a setting or it shouldn't just be whatever it should be an actual s- small comedy idea that is funny that you can execute in various ways um like that was really useful you know and um, the other great thing from that class was just the, uh, you know, once you have your, the, the, if this is true, what else is true thing, which I hadn't learned at all by that point, but it's just like, you, you change your one thing, and then what are the consequences of that? Just play everything real of what the consequences of what that would be. And that was like revelatory to me. That was like a huge deal. I was like, that's so simple, but it's so correct. And it's so right. And I had no idea. I can't believe I had no idea about that. So that was like fascinating. I thought that was really cool. But again, I, I, it did not lead me to write anything that was like my sketches were still super bad, <laughs> but it was really cool. Uh, did you do any other classes at UCB? Yeah, so I did two. I did one like I did two summers in a row, basically in New York. Um, and I, and I, I did those two years and I wasn't doing other sketch stuff, though. I just I sort of caught my. I did my classes. I did like, I went to my obligated shows for mod night that you have to do to graduate or mm-hmm. whatever and move on. Um, and, 
yeah, I wasn't like trying to form a group. I was just sort of trying to like learn some things. Okay. Um, so where did we get to the point of you in Philadelphia? So, um, my, basically my life happened, which is, uh, I got married and had kids and stuff, um, as I was finishing college. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I finished college, my wife finished college. Um, I have a job as an engineer now. I'm again in like, I'm like in desperation, like trying to do things besides engineering. I'm trying to like write after work and stuff like that. But I'm in, I'm, I'm outside of Albany basically in New York and there's like nothing, nothing going on there. Um, and then, yeah, you don't think of Albany as a hotbed no, of they any, they have like this one comedy club that it's like a hotel that they changed the like breakfast area into a comedy club or something, but I never saw any comedians there. Um, I even forget what it's called, but yeah, like there, I, I don't know, maybe there's something there now. I don't mean to like, I, I also didn't really investigate it either. Like I just assumed that there was nothing there because it sure. didn't seem like there was anything there. Um, so yeah, so we do that. Um, I'm working and then my wife finishes college and, um, she gets a job outside of Philly, which we we're like, thrilled about because all of a sudden we're near family and that's great. Like my family is in Allentown. We're sort of living in the suburbs. of We can live in the suburbs of Philly with her new job. When you have young kids, you need to be near family or your life is miserable. I sort of feel like, so this was great, you know? Um, and uh, so we moved down and I was sort of like looking for, looking for ways to do writing stuff. And I like tried to like write a sit, uh, tried to write a sitcom pilot and I was trying to find something to do with that, but I wasn't doing anything. And then, um, and then eventually I'm just like, well, you know, if I'm going to be working and writing and casting things and stuff, I should try to see like what kind of comedy people are involved. Like maybe I could get people to be in a script that I write or something. So I went to a fit show in like, uh, 2013, I want to say, um, or 20, I might've seen one show in 2012, but not got involved until 2013. How did you find out about fit? Just like Google, you know, I was like, what, what's, what's the improv? What's the sketch? What's going on? Um, I, uh, you know, I, I also, I saw that fit was like, um, staffing a sketch team around that time. And I sent in a packet, which was filled with my sketches that I had not altered since I took my sketch writing class, my last sketch writing class in 2009. (laughs) And it was terrible stuff. And I had a real, and this is a a recurring theme for me is like, I, I keep thinking I'm better than everything else and then i realized very quickly that i am not i am really really not so i show up in philly and i'm like and i put this before i even really know anyone before i've gone to a sketch or anything like that i put a packet together and i it's you're supposed to have a cover letter and i'm like for my cover letter it was a real smug thing to me it was like you know and i'm not gonna be like all the other comedy writers i'm not gonna be like writing about comic books and stuff i have kids like i i'm gonna be writing about I have a different <laughs> viewpoint. And I was just, oh, jeez. So somewhere, probably Brian Kelly read that and was like, okay, that's not, this packet isn't funny. And then just like threw it on the pile, which, you know, is totally what I would have done. Um, oh my God. Um, and <laughs> now I'm super curious if that still exists somewhere. I mean, like for, for what team that was like. The yeah, I don't know. For. Whatever was happening in 2013, probably. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, it's an email, right? So all that stuff exists, just like this sketch I just wrote exists, unfortunately. Um, like it's all, it's all 
I think it, there's a record of basically every everything, every communication you have with pretty much everybody you can dig up and find. Um, so yeah, so I sent that in, nothing happened, um, rightfully so. And then eventually I found out about SketchUp, uh, SketchUp or ShutUp, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a new sketch. Um, and I had never written a sketch that did well before, even through all my classes and stuff, all my sketches were bad. And just to go back for a second, all the sketches I wrote in my sketch classes were not just bad, but like preachy bad. Like they were all like, they all had like enemies and targets <laughs> and like, I remember like my teacher was like going through my packet at the end of sketch two. And she was like, try to write about stuff you like. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what you mean by that. Like, I, I, I don't know. So you're, so you're using sketch comedy to air your grievances against the like. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it was, who was the teacher in sketch two? Um, I had Charlie Sanders for sketch two, but this, yeah. he was not the person that said that actually, um, he moved before our final class. And so, um, we had a sub for the last day of the class and I forget what her name is. Um, but she was the one who said that. Okay. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so I, I had sent this packet full of angry sketches from 2009 in to, to fit and nothing happened. And then I went to a sketch up and I, I wrote something new for it. And that's where I met Brian Kelly. And he was like, Hey, if you want to get started in the community, this is a great place to do it. And, you know, luckily, like I brought that sketch in and you know, I had some good people reading parts on it and stuff and it, it did great. And I was like, I did not know this was in my wheelhouse. And, uh, then I was like, I was basically chasing that high for a while. Like the next like four or five sketchups, I was like <laughs> bringing stuff and it was like not going as well. Um, mm. but, uh, but yeah, like it was really cool to get in, to start getting involved in that and going to sketchups was, was such a great big difference for me. Um, it was a, because it's such a great show or it was a great show when I was there at least. And I'm sure it still is like, uh, just because like you have all these seasoned, experienced, like talented people there who are all watching stuff that like the very, very, very new, not involved at all people, um, are trying out. And that was a real cool mix. I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when you have, um, so I thought that was a real special show uh like that that supportive environment that 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 open mic can provide for a, a new writer and and you mentioned uh something i think that's very important with sketchup is when you have the good readers like um yeah, yeah. when you like i'm always a little bummed when or like because i haven't gone very often but like i remember even like back when i was going more regularly like every every month like if someone didn't read something well yeah and it just deflated like the sketch like that was always that's so disappointing because you don't know if it's good or not you know like you that's your that's your test right that's your test is the thing i is the thing i wrote good or not and i don't know the answer because the person who's reading it um didn't quite understand what i was going for and so did a read that was different than i would have hoped for yeah i mean it can go the other way too which is they do a lot better you know so i mean i'm not i don't think it's it makes sense to be overly precious about it but it is disappointing when it doesn't go your way you know i think you got to take the good with the bad i guess there are times where i've hunted down the house manager that, that's worked that night and like <laughs> hey i need you to read Come, get over here like stop <laughs> stop your actual job right now and 
I think your voice will help this a little bit. So come help me. Like, well, okay. So I think I remember you from SketchUp's, but I definitely remember you doing Iron Sketch in Philadelphia. Yes. yes. So, so yeah. So like, um, again, this is like going to um, props to to Brian. Um, like he's just an amazing, uh, I think, supporter of people, and you know, just he's, he's amazingly encouraging. He, re- you know kindness in people I feel like and um singles at least I feel like I was singled out um by Brian to do a few things like I know uh w- during a sketchup um while I was signing up he said to me I have uh, a show that uh, we have something that we're starting out and I really want you to be involved Jim and I was like oh oh my gosh wow me wow great oh well so like um and like, like an idiot, I didn't do it for like nine months at, until like after he said that. Um, but fortunately I got in, you know, I got it under the line, you know, and while it was still going on and, um, you know, just, uh, mm. just, uh, it was, it was great because, uh, once I got on the group, I really lucked out, um, and, uh, got on a group with, you know, a terrific group of people, which was, it was directed by Steve Swan. Um, and we had Ryan Birchmeyer. Jake Matera, Tom Whitaker. Um, it was really just like in my mind that that's like a, a murderer's row of awesome people. Um, and uh, I, I, a theme I think I want to come back to again, or a, a theme that emerges in my life too with these sketch groups is I have had the great luck of um, being in groups that are, are and would be terrific without me. Um <laughs> Like, and so not being, sometimes I feel like it, it not being the essential piece of machinery is kind of like, well, first of all, it means that it's a terrific group. And second of all, it means it's like, oh, I can just, I can just work in my little space and add in here and there and support in various ways. But like, you know, just, you know, so anyway, I was, I, I really enjoyed being in that group, even though we only did, we basically did um, Iron Sketch and we won one time and then we came back. And we didn't win the second time. Um, and that time it was like, it was right. judged by Pete and Pete, I remember. And that was cool. Okay, yeah, sure. And, uh, but yeah, so we, we just did those two iron sketches and we did the Black Friday comedy marathon that year. And we did um, our own half hour show the following like January. Um, but yeah, it was a really, I really enjoyed being in that group. And and another thing, like, so I said like Dominic Dirkus and uh, UCB was like a really great person to learn from i felt like i learned a lot from steve swan i feel like is a was another person i learned a ton from um because he was directing that group and before we even met he sent this email out which was just like a crib sheet for like here's how you write sketch well <laughs> and it was a terrific email and you know he obviously backed it up with his own instincts and feedback and stuff when we were actually meeting but like he really like it really was like the first thing that got me started you know getting into shape with live sketch and it's like he started this email with like i think it was like um stereotypes are good tropes are great you know those are your shortcuts to getting people on board for your sketch so if we see a character in the very beginning who's a stereotype terrific we're already on board and you don't have to set up as much stuff and the whole time i'm thinking like i'm better than everybody else and i'm like no you want to have these complex nuanced characters who are doing, you know, all these things that you're setting up. And so just hearing like, uh, tropes are great. Stereotypes are great. They, they're like a shortcut basically to you starting the comedy stuff. So you can bounce off it quicker. That was terrific. 
And he was also big on, at least at the time, he was big on like, keep your stuff short, cut out everything that's not working. You know, you can write a five page sketch, but try not to write a five page sketch. Try to write like a three page sketch or something. And, you know, start the sketch like, you know, four lines in past where, you know, you think you ought to start um, all that stuff. So that was yeah. like all that stuff. First of all, just hearing it from hearing that stuff. And then also uh, just the, the feedback and putting shows together with him were great, you know. Uh, so I, I feel real, really appreciative of all that. Um, it was a, a great bunch of just like, you know, the theory, but here's how you actually put together sketches that you can perform in front of people. Um, that was a really helpful thing. And then like, you're going to, you're going to fill in some holes here, but like, I don't okay, see yeah, you, yeah. I don't see you again for a, like at, at fit, at least like you, you're not coming to sketch up. You're not coming to anything. And then maybe like a year later, you show up at Philly sketch fest with brick penguin. And I see oh, yeah. you in the, in the lobby with everybody. I'm just like, Hey, wait, you, I know you <laughs> like, what are you doing with these people? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so and, fill in the blanks between Philadelphia to DC, sure, and Brick Penguin. So, um, my uh, the whole time I'm doing a comedy in Philly, I am I know my wife has applied for a job outside of um, DC where her family is from, and she's gotten a job, but she has this long background check to go through that could take months or maybe years to even do. And so I'm starting to do the comedy thing and I'm like, what do I even do? You know, like, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know how involved to get. And, you know, she, we were talking together and she was basically like, just, just operate. Like you're here when you're here, you're here. And so be present and do the things that you would want to do with, whether you were leaving or not. And that's when all the great stuff happened for me. Cause it was, it took me a while to, you know, I was working, trying to get groups off the ground and stuff like that. And, you know, it wasn't really paying off for a while until Iron Sketch happened. And then, you know, the last like three months or the three, four months are great because I did the Iron Sketch. And I also um, started uh, started doing the monologue show with uh, Drew Kramchak and um, Catherine McCormick. And uh, that's another thing that Brian put together that where he's like, you guys should do this show and I want to help you in whatever ways I can to do the show. And launching that show was amazing. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but then, and, and, and I signed up, uh, I had been waiting to do the second show, uh, the second monologue show. They said, Jim, can you do it? And I was like waiting and waiting, being real, you know, not sure about it. And then finally said, I'm going to do it. And then the next day we found out that um, my wife's uh, background check had gone through and that we were going to be moving in like three weeks. And so I had to like back out of this second monologue show. And all of a sudden we were going to be outside of DC and we were moving and that was a whole crazy thing. So that's why we were down at DC. Um, I sent wow. an email to brick penguin, uh, cause they were the only DC sketch group back when I was in, we were trying to decide whether to move or not. I was like, Hey, what's the sketch scene like in DC? Are there shows? Are there open mics? What's it like? And then like, because I, I was like, am I gonna be able to do this in DC? And then I heard back from them like three weeks later. I don't even know who sent me the email actually, but there, uh, one of them was like, uh, you know, it sounds like we don't have as much as you have up there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, I don't know if you move, good luck with your move or something like that. So I was like, I'm going to move to DC and there's going to be nothing. So, but we moved and it was, you know, it turned out to be a good decision, you know, for a lot of reasons, family wise. Um, and, but, you know, I moved and, uh, I was not doing comedy at all for about a year. And, um, 
that was tough, not just because of not doing comedy, but my wife was on this crazy shift schedule where I would like, she would be on night shifts for like a month at a time and stuff like that. And it was very difficult to, to do outside things. Cause I basically had kids all the time um, and didn't have any other, you yeah. know, I didn't have, a, you know, the backup and stuff to go out and do with all this stuff. And I didn't even think there was sketch comedy. And then eventually for penguin show. And I think I caught a show where it might've been like an eight PM, like an earlier show in the evening, but it just like didn't connect with me what they were doing. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this is, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of sketch comedy going on here. I don't particularly enjoy what's going on. Um, and, you know, just over time uh, at, uh, I noticed that they were starting to do these sketch open mics called uh, the sketch jam at uh, Dojo comedy, which is the theater owned by Murphy McHugh, who is a member of brick penguin. So he owns a theater also. It's like a small black box theater. And I show up, to these open mics because I'm like, Hey, at least I'll, I can write sketches. At least I'll, I'll try to get involved in something. And I show up and I try to come to all of these, but you know, this theater at first, it's like, it's like underneath a cell phone store and it looks like a little bodega. It's like a really weird situation, uh, going to this place. And then like, you know, uh, <laughs> and then I would go there and a few people, a handful of people would be here, here and there for these open mics. And it wasn't really an open mic. It was more of, it was almost like a, a few people sitting around, you know, reading each other's stuff sort of more of a thing and I would do that I did that a few times and then they stopped doing it and then eventually uh I got an email from Murphy and he was like hey um we're interested uh, are you interested in a sketch opportunity uh, you'd have to write and perform um and I was like uh I guess so what's the opportunity and he's like uh yeah you can play in with Brick Penguin we're, we're looking for someone else so it was really just a hang in there for a while and then nice. I guess they needed someone eventually um so, yeah, and again, uh, going back to this idea of uh, I, I always think I'm better than everybody else, and then I realize I'm really, really not better than anything. Um, I come, I went to D.C., uh, sorry, I went to Philly, and I was like, I took, I took class at UCB. Um, I'm better than all this. And then I show up, and like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And then I go to D.C., and I'm like, I did all this great stuff in Philly. I'm, you guys don't even know. And then I show up, and I realize I don't know what the heck I'm doing in D.C. either because I am show up in, in Brick Penguin, and there's, like, a tremendous amount of talent in Brick Penguin when I show up. <laughs> like, And um, the cool thing with Brick Penguin is, like, I was just saying, like, I was, you know, Steve Swan had all these, you know, write these short sketches, you know, get it real tight, get it real clean, get it real nice. Um and then I show up in Brick Penguin, and uh, it's at the time it's Murphy McHugh, JC Calcerano, and Amy Vance, and they're writing stuff. It's like ten minute sketches. It's like a it's like a short play where there's no laughs for three pages in the middle because everybody is sad and concerned. <laughs> but those are emotions that they want to evoke. But you know, it's a totally different thing. Um, and getting used to like what Brick Penguin was doing took me like a few shows because I didn't, I hadn't really like seen the full thing at its like at its full form because you know they lost some people they're you know recovering I think and and then just like slowly I'm like seeing like all the stuff get written by the other people in the group and I'm just like holy crap this stuff is very different and very interesting and I want to sort of be able to punch in this weight class or whatever the I don't know sports um, like so yeah. Um, that was really, that was really cool to see like a different kind of 
um, a different kind of sketch writing. And it came out of the fact that um, in DC, like Brick Penguin was like the, you know, the only sketch group trying to do stuff, or it seemed like the only one continuing, continually trying to do stuff um, for a while. And so they can't, they couldn't do half hour shows. They can't do these like tight 25 minute shows like UCB would do, or like fit does with their sketch shows a lot of the time. If they're going to rent out a bar and put on their own show, um, where they try to get people to come, you can't just have people come to a 30 minute show and be done. You have to make an hour's worth of content. Right. Right. If, if you have no one else sh- sharing the bill, you have the full responsibility to fill the bill yourself. Like exactly. Exactly. Time wise. Yeah. And so they're, what they were doing like was, you know, sort of came out of that and that, that they had to find their own spaces and start their own whole thing. And so that's when, you know, suddenly it's not like your one best sketch might get in if it's good. It's like you, you have all the leeway you need to succeed or fail and stuff is going to get in. And it's a question of, can you keep up that level? Can you keep up that level of quality? And since you have an hour, can you have like, you know, peaks and valleys and make it interesting and not just like, not just like funny for an hour, but like, you know, do things that are going to hold an audience's attention for an hour. Um, and so that was very, very different. Um, and that was really cool to learn. You know, like I said, there's some very different kinds of sketches and, um, it was a whole different, yeah. Angle of writing that I was not prepared for. And I thought I was better than until I showed up and realized I wasn't. (laughs) Do you still have those like Steve Swan rules in your head? Like that you have to shake off or are like, Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I've, I, I don't follow them much anymore because I just, uh, you know, at this point, it's so hard to come up with ideas that you just do whatever you can think of. So it's like, oh, I have a long idea. Just do it. We need to fill an hour. Oh, I have this kind of idea to just do it. We need to, we have shows we need to write. <laughs> We're always, yeah. We always need to write an hour full of show um, and with like a week left before the show. And we write the whole show like a week ahead of time. And so there's not a whole lot of ability to be precious about things usually. But like, yeah, for a while I was... You can ask the other members of Brick Penguin, like my platonic ideal for a sketch was a three minute, 30 second sketch um, that, you know, you get in, you do something a few times, uh, you get out. I very much have that. Like <laughs> I, I recently directed a show up here. Uh, it's like the the spiritual successor of Iron oh. Sketch. And I directed a show and like that first day with meeting with this group, I was just like, <laughs> I like short if your sketch is more than five pages, I'm not going to be happy. Like, and I'm not even saying like, I prefer like three, like, you know, let's squeeze things down. Let's like, let's move quick. Let's get in, get out. Like that's totally valid too. I still feel that way much of them to be honest with you. Like, uh, it's my right long things. Um, but yeah, like I do, it is hard beat like, you know, like a good short punchy sketch that works every time. Like, you know, um, but there's some stuff to be found on the other end, which is which is a fun thing to learn. And also, I just want to say, for the record, uh, if it's not abundantly clear by now, uh, I do not know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, as uh, with time, as I get older, I think it it's like easy for you know, as, like there's people in you know DC, or it's like um, I get to direct a show here or there. And um, it's tempting to be like, yes, I know what I'm doing. It's 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 going great. But fundamentally, I really am an idiot, uh, and am tr- <laughs> I'm just trying 
to make something work over and over again. And often and most of the time it does not work. Um, and I think I have no idea. I have no quick solution to making something good. And I don't really know how to do it. Uh, I, so I think that's important to say because uh, I, it's not, it's not easy to make good things and I don't know how to do it. Um, and that's tricky to reconcile with sometimes I think. All right. Well, now that's a really tricky segue for me because as we, as we wrap <laughs> up, uh, you've experienced different like uh, mentors and directors and styles with, you know, working up here in Philadelphia yeah. with Steve Swan or going to Brick Penguin. So, and you, you just went on a minute long about how you're an idiot, apparently. Yes. What's a piece of advice that you would give to uh, a new writer oh, geez. Oh, uh, boy. as they start their sketch comedy time? Um, uh, 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 okay. Here's, I have a good one. I have a good one. Um, this is a pitfall to avoid, which is every time I've written a sketch that I liked and did well, I immediately tried to write something that was just like it. So, um, one, so one time oh, I, for like that first monologue show I did, I did this thing called the jazz age where I did like a fake documentary of the history of jazz. And it had a bunch of just like bonkers, physically impossible jokes in it about crazy cartoonish things. And I'm like, this is it. And it did great. And I was like, this is it. This is what I do from now on. I'm going to write these long. It's going to be like beyond the fringe. I'm going to write these long documentary style things. And they're going to be loaded with jokes. I'm going to do these monologues like this. And so then I tried to do that at a Brick Penguin show. And it kind of didn't work. And I've experienced this in other areas too, where it's like, this thing worked. I'm going to do it again, but apply it to that. And that has never worked for me. And the thing that I found that works maybe a little bit better is just keep an eye out for what you're interested in. Because if something is interesting to me, then I have found, I think there's a better success rate with it. So if something piques your interest, if you enjoy something, if something sticks out to you, that's far more important, I think, than something that has worked for you in the past. Um, You have to please yourself, I think, uh, in some way. That's helped me out a little bit. Okay. Um, nice. And finally, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit here and there, uh, uh, with your career with engineering and using that part of your brain and then needing a creative outlet after. So why, why is comedy, how you spend your time outside of your career, outside of your family? Why is career the next, I mean, why is comedy the next thing that you go for? Um, I really like writing. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, and I think that I have, you know, I think I have a uh, ability that can be developed there. And I've always enjoyed writing from when I was a lot younger and uh, performing. I could take it or leave it. I don't really enjoy it that much. Um, but for me, like I, it's a compulsion to be writing things. Um, and whether I want to try to do it or not, I think in the long run, I'm going to be doing that. Um, in some form because I can't stop doing it. That's the real answer, I think. All right. So, I mean, that's usually my final question, but like this, this just popped in my head. Um, okay. If you, if you feel a compulsion to write and everything, why did you choose engineering as what you studied in college, what your career was? Why didn't you do, you know, something like, you know, an English or more creative path 
Okay, well, to be fair, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't like engineering to some extent. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd hope. Absolutely. Know, but and engineering, when I was working as an engineer, it was uh, – I, I really liked it. Um, but I, I thought it was dumb to get a degree in writing. Um, and I didn't want to go into debt getting a degree in writing. I thought if okay. I'm going to go into debt, it should be in something that I can make money with that I also, I guess, like. Um, and yeah, I mean, while I was an engineer, I was writing crazy comedy things and pinning them up all over my cubicle at work. And people thought I was insane. Um, so (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't, uh, I I think it makes sense in some ways because I still think it would have been a dumb idea to go to get for me personally to go get a degree in writing. But, uh, with that question, Josh, I see now that it sort of also doesn't make sense to go pursue something where you sort of have to compulsively do something else in your spare time. That doesn't seem healthy either. So uh, I'm going to think about that, Josh. At least your at least your compulsive the... spare time thing is is writing comedy that instead of something more destructive. That's true. I could be writing things destructively, which is another avenue I haven't considered. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Josh. Jim and the rest of Brick Penguin will be coming to Philly Sketchfest on Friday, May 31st at the Philly Improv Theater in the 10 p.m. block, along with Clip Show and The Wow. Brick Penguin has recently upped their YouTube game, and you can follow them at facebook.com slash brickpenguin. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com, follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest, the music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Come to Philly Sketch Fest. <laughs>